0: Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. My name is Dr. Heidi Forbes-Este, and today I'm very excited to introduce to you a new friend. Her name is Sandra Estoc. She is a native Venezuelan naturalized American and author of Happily Ever Cyber. Sandra has got an amazing story that she's going to share with us about a little bit about identity theft and things that we need to be mindful of as we move about the world as global citizens. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you, Dr. Heidi. I'm so excited to be on your show. Fabulous. Well, we're so excited to have you here. So I met you recently at the New Media Summit, and you encapsulated your story so well. I would love for you to just, you, you don't necessarily have to do in pitch format, but I would love for you to share a little bit with our audience, you know, what your experience was and how you came to be working in the cyber
1: security space. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I always like to start with my, my, my why. And my why started when I was returning from visiting my mom. She lives in Colombia. I was in the plane. And as we land, the captain announced that Homeland Security officers were boarding the plane. I didn't think anything. I handed my passport. I, I was under a working visa. I was relocated from my employer, my, from my former employer, and it was uh, only like eight months, less than a year of my relocation. So I hand my passport; it has my work visa, and the next thing I know, I'm the only one that is being marched off the plane and escorted by the two homeland security officers. And as we're walking through the airport, we get to, to the famous room, <laughs> and course, no phone calls. I don't know what's happening. My husband was waiting in Chicago. We, we live in Milwaukee and there's no information. And 10 hours later, I'm handed back my passport with the word revoke. Luckily, they, they allow me to come back home. And I went to my employer right away and we started the process of, you know, working with attorneys. In a few weeks, I was back in Venezuela trying to get a new visa. And, you know, you go to their interview process and this interview was very different than any other interview. They started asking me about China and why were you in China? Who did you know in China? Who's your contact? I didn't know what they were talking about. What we now know is that a smuggler from China was smuggling women into the U.S. using my identity. Somehow he got a hold of my information and that's what was happening Of course, I convinced them I'm not a Chinese smuggler, and I got my new visa. I came back home, and at the time, I I used to work a lot for Europe. So it was one of one big project in my technical world. I mean, IT, cybersecurity, and data privacy. And I was working in this project. Uh, Two weeks later, I'm returning from Europe. I get to Chicago, I get off the plane, and at passport control, and march right back into the room. Because I have to prove that I was the real me. And this happened over and over every time I traveled for six years. You know, you, you can imagine at the time when I Googled my name, everything was in Chinese. I, 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 my name was used for companies to do import and export businesses between China and Latin America. And everything was super crazy. You know, obviously nobody wanted to travel with me. Not even my own husband. Everyone was like, uh, if we're going on vacation, they'll say, Honey, just leave the day before and I'll meet you there at the same time. (laughs) Because you know, it could take me one hour to go through the process of proving I am really me, Hmm. or eight hours. I mean, I never knew how long, I never knew you know what was going to happen. So that last six years until I became a US citizen and of course now everything is okay. And the reason I wrote my, my, my book series Happy Ever Cyber is because exactly what you said before. Identity theft and cybercrime can happen to anyone. mean you know, regardless of where you're from, what did you do for for living? I mean even people that work in the industry <laughs> like me, it can happen. So I'm I'm very passionate about and and I think we have so many things we can do and and you know, this concept of happy ever cyber it's it's in my mind as an aspiration that we all need to have because in the in the world we live in, definitely cybersecurity, cybercrime, it's it's the daily thing. You know, it's not gonna change, it's gonna get more and more. It's a business and the what- sooner we get on board with that, better.
0: Uh, Absolutely, and I think right now it's something that you know we're all so ingrained right now in using technology and sort of overusing it, and we're you know sometimes we're in a rush, sometimes we're tired, and we're just we're we're just Mm -hmm. trying to reach our clients and and connect with our communities. And you hear everything from you know the the people that are doing Zoom bombing. I don't know if you've heard about that, where people are coming in to Zoom meetings and you know Mm -hmm. throwing porn in there and weird things that. And just, you know, it's such, it's unknown territory for a lot of people. Most people are coming into this comfortable with maybe doing a little bit of social media and doing a little emails here and there. And then they, you know, maybe, maybe they do Slack within their company, but beyond that, they're not used to living their lives online like we are right now. Mm -hmm. Are there some sort of key tips that you can, you can share that sort of help people be more aware of what kinds of things they should be cautious about, or maybe some things that they can do to protect themselves? Oh,
1: absolutely. You know, I think especially in the times that we're living right now, as you mentioned, Zoom or other things are becoming very popular. So this is what happened. Cyber monsters, which is how I call them, uh, hackers or scammers, Use any opportunity when there is a global crisis or when there is a global event like the Olympics or the World Cup or anything that a lot of people will, you know, look and pay attention to. So right now with the coronavirus, this is the perfect storm for them to to try to get into people's information. And there's so ma- there's there's so many fake sites, fake emails. So my advice is is practice mindfulness, because I think mindfulness, at least for me, it, it doesn't only help with my mental health and keeping my stress level lower, but it also helps me to be present. So every time I get a text or I get a, an email, I ask myself, myself do I really need to click on this? Do I really know the sender? Do I really trust that this information is it's accurate, it's relevant, it's something that I, you know, I have to open. And and if once you ask those questions, you know, regardless of the information, it's coronavirus or it's anything, any other news. My advice is go to the source. Like if there is a news about something new, a cure, or something you really want to see or want 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 to know about, and it's calling CNN or the health organization whoever is the source, I would just say, go to that page, visit the website, and look for the information. If if it's real, it will be there. If it's not, it must probably was not an accurate or or a a real email that you're getting. So just practice mindfulness as much as you can, because it will lower your stress level, and it will help your cyber life too.
0: I love that. And it's so consistent with everything that I teach. And It's really just about being present in all of your Mm -hmm. engagements, being present with yourself and how are you reacting Mm -hmm. to things, being present with whatever is coming into you and being aware of the intention of where it's coming from. I think that's a really, it's a powerful tool and one that we sometimes don't take the time to really consider. And it doesn't obviously cost us anything to use that tool. It's just using our minds and our brains in the best way that we can. I know you also w- work with companies and, and trying to help them bring, you know, better cybersecurity and, uh, and awareness in their organizations. Do you have any, sh- any stories that you might want to share or, or that you can share that sort of help us really understand and put this into context of some of the things that we might need to be concerned about or things that we can do to prep our own organizations and maybe what kind of tools you recommend to do that?
1: Yes. Absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, especially companies nowadays that have to move into a virtual environment in a really fast pace that may not be prepared. This is the time where it's so important that their employees, their contractors, their vendors really practice, I a, will a, say, a, a cybersecurity principles or, or the basics of cybersecurity. And and what I mean by that is you know what we mentioned before about being mindful, mindful of what you click on, you know, providing information over the phone to people that you cannot validate. You know, they are your IT department. We we get a lot of that type of scams, I will say. And this is the perfect time where new companies are Emerging into the virtual workforce, that you know, you you might see more and more of you know their services or or their companies being impacted because you know they haven't trained their people. So that's one of the uh, focus areas that we have right now, making sure the basics are in place. If you think about the stats or, or, or the the reasons why the majority of the data breaches or hacks happen, it's almost 80, 90% because the human factor, because someone clicked, someone exploited that person. We can put all the technology that we want, but if someone doesn't really have the knowledge or, or the skills and open the wrong email, it could print your entire company into a not very good situation. Now, right now, you, you were asking about like some examples. I mean, we could see the media and we could see how many health organizations, hospitals are battling right now, ransomware are battling right now. The, the amount of hackers, scammers that are trying to, even with this crisis, get into people's information, in fact the computers because it's a business and once we understand this is a business for them i think we we can put that in mind and say okay we we have to treat it the same way we have to see training and we have to see the preparation of our employees or our contractors as one of the tools that we need to, to be in business because it's a matter of time before you know someone that's the after, you know clicks on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answered your question.
0: Well, I was just wondering, for example, that are there things that we can do when you're moving? For example, and you're moving to different markets, or you're different, or you're traveling to foreign countries, and you may not necessarily, for example, understand the full text of what's being sent to you, whether it's a confirmation, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, well, this is coming from the area where I just was, or I'm intending mm-hmm. to go. Are there certain things that are typical patterns of things that we might be, you know, be able to spot, I guess, um, that we can, you know, it's like the classic, the old story of the, you know, golden Nigeria, that's, you know, you get the the letters saying, oh, well, you know, we've got this, and Mm -hmm. it's in your name, and you just need to send us a check so that we can make sure it gets to you. I mean, those things are quite obvious nowadays, because Mm -hmm. we've heard a lot about them. But are there any particular things that either any um, technologies that can help us track when those kinds of things come through? Obviously, spam blockers are helpful, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. are there certain patterns that you recommend we be mindful of of catching?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and especially when traveling, I, I my recommendation is always be mindful of what where did you connect your phone or your computer in public Wi-Fi because those are places that are very easily to be you know easily accessible for people to infect and you know there are many tools right now anti malware, you know anti-spammers or anti-viruses that include a tool for testing how safe is that wi-fi mm. and like i i Every time I travel, my phone will tell me this is not a safe Wi Fi, just disconnect, or, you know, it, it just keeps me alert. And another one easy thing that at an individual level we all can do is change the settings in your phone to auto discover Wi Fi in your area. What I mean is by default, every phone comes configured with that feature enabled. So if you go to a neighborhood, you're driving, your phone will try to connect to any Wi-Fi that's close by. And I've seen it many times, people have to cancel. And, you know, there's just an on and off button they can go into the setting and just say, you know, do not join networks unless I want to join a network. And then it's your choice. So I, I think that is a very easy thing that we all can do at a personal level and even in companies just you know if you're traveling for business you you could definitely do that and about tools that that you can use i mean there are several i will say you know using a vpn is convenient because you want to keep your information encrypted if you are traveling and you are in a hotel never update your phone or your computer if you're using you know Again, it's public Wi-Fi because you have to put your password and everything that you do when you are traveling, and you have to enter your information. You have to realize that information could be compromised. So, just keeping that in mind. So, if my my suggestion and what I'm I'm including a checklist in one of the books, it's in the series because when you travel, you know you should. You know, update your phone before you leave. Just make sure that your apps are up to date, your phone is up to date, your computer has the latest update. So, you, when you are on the road, you are prepared and you don't have to be like, oh, this, you know, update just came out and now I'm not I'm here. So, you know, just prepare and put it in your calendar. I mean, that's the best tool that we have, just a recurrent reminder every week to check. And I think now this is a perfect opportunity. We have a lot of time in our hands because we're forced to be home and to, you know, change our routine. So putting these things in place, changing your passwords, changing, you know, your just taking control of your cyber world. It will prepare you so much better and for you and for your organization, for your family and, and for everything. So you, you, this is a unique opportunity that I see right now we all have in our hands. Do you find that you've been in the U.S. for
0: a very long time, but do you obviously go back and forth, or at least try to <laughs> go back and forth as much as you can <laughs> to see family? Do you find that there's a different relationship with technology in your home country? I shouldn't say your home country because you are an American citizen now, so you're, you are in your home country, but you have two home countries when you're back there or when you're anywhere else do you find when you're working with clients who are not in the US that there's a different relationship around mindfulness with using technology and and cybersecurity or is that something that's universal i think there is
1: the what is universal is the use of the technology but i think the degrees and where we you know have different tools or different technologies or how we perceive technology changes so one example will be privacy. In in Europe, is very different than how you see privacy here or privacy seen in in South America. You know, most of the tools that we have in the U.S. are in English, so it might not be available in Spanish. So you have a mix of, I will say, you know, social media tools are more universal because those are how people communicate and they, they kind of breach the country level, the the country barrier, because at the end you know just want to communicate with others. And either it's it's a tool that is only allowed in your country, like a specific Facebook you can only use for you know political reasons or you know in some countries that's the case. Of, or Facebook might be or, or Twitter might be or, or LinkedIn any any of these social tools are more universal. I think when it comes to how companies are doing it, what I've seen, especially in some countries in, in South America, it's, there is a great opportunity right now to, to become more sophisticated. And I think that there is like a gap, I, I don't want to say in years, but I, I think in tool set and how people see e-commerce, how people you know, are comfortable with putting their life online. So the U.S. is more advanced. So I think we have been more pioneers in some areas. I think people are catching up because of the way that social media is forcing us to do it. But it's, it's just very interesting how I think that the role of the, the way that third countries or, you know, more advanced countries, I, I think in, 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 in the technology side, you don't see that delineation so much I think I will see it more in a generation way like people that are you know babies can have a phone right now and just swap and just be so savvy in how to manage an iPhone Mm -hmm. you know regardless of what country they are if they have access to a phone versus someone that maybe you know not not technology savvy or doesn't have access to that technology yeah it's just interesting from a cultural perspective and from a from a country perspective how how different and how similar we are you know if that answered your yeah your no
0: question. absolutely and i i'm also here as you brought up the generational piece are there any tips i'm sure a lot of people ask you about sort of what are some things we should be mindful of for our children i i have teenagers that are basically yeah. young adults they're you know And they, you know, they have their own methods and their own uh, different behaviors around technology. I think they're actually, I personally think, at least mine, are more savvy about the security side. They're always telling me, oh, you need to turn that off. My son's got, you know, created a VPN for us, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But I mean, I think a lot of people are concerned about their kids and particularly younger kids how to train them to be mindful about uh, cybersecurity and about their mm-hmm. identity and what to share. Are there some things that you can talk about on the generational side?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think... Or life stage side, rather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I will say, you know, the decision when you give, you know, your, your kid a phone, and you know, when you make there are different arguments about that, and whether you create a contract with your kids, I've seen it that way. Some parents say, well, here is the phone, here are the rules, the responsibilities. If you break these rules, your phone will, you know, these are the consequences. And they are mostly related to the usage of technology. I seen parents that rather not have that approach, but more Limiting the time and really watching what their kids are doing. I think at the end, it, it depends what works for you and your family and the kind of relationship that you have, you know, within the family. What I will say from, for recommendations or, you know, please just be mindful where your kids are and who could they be talking to, you know, ask uh, Cyber monsters could be pretending to be grandma when in reality, you know, they are that wolf that wants to eat you or want to eat your kids. So be just mindful that not everyone that they are talking to, it's a, a real kid or a real, you know, a person in the other side. It could be anyone. And just, you know, there are many different tools today to track you know, or to check your, you know, what they are doing, how they are doing it. And it's that balance between the privacy and you know and, and being respect, respectful and you know, again, it's it's all depending on each family, I will say, it's it's an opportunity as parents that we have to get together and to do that education together. I think that, that for me, the, the biggest value that technology brings us is, is just another opportunity for, for, you know, elder parents or grandparents to learn from their kids and vice versa because kids might not have that instinct that mm-hmm. we adults have. And, and I think that, that just creating that balance. I was one more recommendation that I will give for your phone's especially in your social media is making sure location services are either disabled or just, you know, what, what is tracking your kid, what apps can know where they are in a given time. So it's very easy to go into your settings, go to location services and see what they are. Mm -hmm. There are many apps games that we download and they, sometimes they are free and we, Just wanted to get into that thing right away. That we just say yes to everything, and there are tools that or apps that don't need to have location services. So just being mindful that location services is meant to know where you are or where your kid is at Mm a given time. So think about that. If if you, you know, would you like you know your kid to be, yeah, to be tracked that way, and just take control of that.
0: I think that's a that's a really interesting point, the whole location services. So, mm-hmm. you know, we in, in my family, we all share each other's location. But my son often turns it off because it's a drain on his Bluetooth. And mm-hmm. or he just doesn't like to have the Bluetooth going. And it's partially a health yeah. thing that he doesn't like to have the Bluetooth going. But then I'm like, even mm-hmm. though I'm the digital well being person, I'm like you have to have your location finding settings on at least for find my friends, because Mm -hmm. I want to know. And it's not that I'm checking up on my kids. I just want to know they're okay. Or and sometimes it's, you know, I need to get something from the market. And, you know, are they anywhere near a market? Can I ping them and just say, like, hey, do you mind stopping at Whole Foods and grabbing (laughs) something for me? So, you know, I mean, I, I trust them entirely. So I'm not really worried about that piece. But some people actually do it to the extent of they're like, watching their kids all the time. And then yeah. they have the other flip side where I have my kids telling me, oh, well, you said you were leaving five minutes ago. You're still at home. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it comes back to bite you. But I think your point is really important to to think about that there are all these other apps that do ask mm-hmm. to track your location. and And you can, when you do turn them on, it often gives you, asks you the question, you know, mm-hmm. Do you want this to be tracking you while the app is on or all the time? Yes. And, you know, if it's relevant to the app, like Waze or Google Maps, of course, you want it to be able to track you while you're using the app, but you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. want it on all the time. And then from, you know, a digital well-being and and a general well-being of your device standpoint, it's better to actually have it turn Mm -hmm. off. It's not just a cybersecurity issue. It's a, a health and well-being issue for both your device mm-hmm. and for you. So I think absolutely. that's a very, very good point. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah. I want to make sure that folks can find you and learn more about your work. And would, would you mind just sharing a little bit about, you know, how you work and how they can find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the Happily Ever Cyber series, it's, I think it's the best way to find me. So if you go to com, and actually you can get this, Three things that can you can implement to protect your identity. I will say um, right now, I'm a speaker, an author, and I also work with with companies and helping them to to change how cybersecurity programs are created, because a lot of the a lot of the programs are very focused on either the technical words or the, technical, you know, the technicality, and not so much about the, the human factor and the connection. And what, I, what I'm doing with Happy Ever Cyber is changing that because I want to change the perception of the cyber world. And what I have found and, and I have my experience encounter is when I share my story, and I have several stories in the books and, and, and I'm, I'm, I share them also in, in my social media channel. When I share these stories, the story isn't just about me, but the story enables the other person's mind and they have their own cyber story. And every time I leave a stage or a training session, they, you know, and and they come and say, wow, your story was amazing. I love it. Here's what happened to my grandma. Here's what happened to my dad. Here's what happened to my kid or to my friend or, or someone that I know. And then my story is not my story anymore. It becomes their story. And the next question is, what can I do? And so it's changing, you know, the way that we teach cybersecurity and make it personal. Because when we make it personal, now I, I there's something for me to take action. Now mm-hmm. I care to take action. And the other aspect that I that I have with my program is that I believe that you can. There are so many things we can protect, but we cannot protect everything at once. So I think cybersecurity needs to become second nature to us because of the world we live in, and it's going to be more and more as you know we we evolve in the technology side. So we need to develop these skills like the same way that you teach your kids when you have to cross the street and you have to look at both sides. And decide to cross. I think that has to happen in the cyberspace, and these skills have to be second nature to us. Meaning, you know, the way that we use our passwords, the way that we use technology, the way we use our email, the way we communicate with each other, how much information we share, what we protect—like all of that—it's it's it's part of our day. We don't even have to think about. Mm -hmm. If you go and travel. You already know that your Wi-Fi or your Bluetooth—if you're not using your Bluetooth like you're doing—it's off. Like that's second nature to you and to your kid because your well-being is also into the mix. And I think when we integrate all of that, we—you know—we give a really hard time to cyber monsters to get into your information. Mm -hmm. So I think you know, for from my perspective, I'm challenging that status quo on cybersecurity that you know it doesn't have to be hard it doesn't have to be everything is all about the technology or the technical i think we individuals have a lot to do and a lot to to develop and and to create the skills that we need to protect what we care to protect mm-hmm. it might be different for every person so well said and so
0: folks if you want to find out more it's happily ever cyber and her website is sandra s a n d r a e s t o k dot com. And don't worry if you're on the go, that will be in the show notes. So it'll be easy for you to get at. Don't worry about trying to write it down right this moment. But we do hope that you will come back. And if you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And join us next time. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you, Dr. Haley.
1: I I really appreciate your your kindness today to let me bring this message and and I think you know this is a unique opportunity we have and it's just I, I think when, when I look at the news when I look at where we are in the in the world you know 10 years 20 years from now we're going to look back and I think it's it's moments like this that we have where we can take control and we can decide what to do and my, my last word will be, what are you willing to protect? What are you going to do today? What is that thing that you really care? Is it your family? Is it your business? Is it your personal information, your health information, whatever that is? And what are you doing today for that information not to be part of cybercrime or a victim of
0: cybercrime. I love it. And it's such a poignant point for all of us. So what are we doing today to protect ourselves as we move about the world as global citizens and teaching our children to be so as well? So thank you so much for joining us today. Global Nomads, such a, a pleasure to have you with us today. And we hope you'll join us again for next time. Bye bye for now.